Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for he, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. The, the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. Woman said, answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you have spoken truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. And and as I read this scripture this morning, This idea that Jesus needed to go to Samaria. And he had a purpose and he had a plan. And on his plan he stopped and he met with this Samaritan woman. It says in the Bible, 
that Jesus met with this Samaritan woman at the sixth hour. And if we're going to understand, if we're going to read this, we got to understand that when it says the sixth hour, that's the sixth hour after the sun came up. At the end of the chapter, that becomes important again. So this is high noon, the hottest time of the day. And it being the hottest time of the day, uh, usually this is not the time that the women would go and collect the water. And usually they'd go as a group. They'd go in the morning or the evening when it wasn't as hot, and they didn't have, so they didn't have to carry the water back at, at, at the hottest part of the day. And she's alone. And that's probably for a reason. Probably because, as we read here, she, she probably had a reputation in the community, and the, the other women didn't want to associate with her. But the Bible says that Jesus went out of his way to associate with her. He needed to go through Samaria in order to talk to her. It's interesting how you, you kind of watch and you see how things work. I watched um, in school the last couple weeks, we had a new student. And I've watched as she's come into the class and... Um, I just kind of watched how the students responded to her. Would they befriend her? Would they reach out to her? Would they go out of their way to be kind to her? And all the time in our lives, we have, we run into people who are a little bit different than us. Sometimes we talk to people that to us might look strange. They might look different. They might be racially different. They might have a de different gender. They, they might not be the same type of people that we talk to. But you know what? God still wants us to share the gospel with them. Share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. I always said, Jesus, as he met with this woman, he had to overcome three barriers in order to strike up this conversation about eternal life. The first one is that she was a Samaritan and he was a Jew. And I spent the last two weeks talking about the Jews and the Samaritans and how they didn't get along. The Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. It goes back to the time of Solomon and Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And also, you can look at, at when Sennacherib came to town, how, how the Samaria reacted and how Jerusalem reacted. Two totally different things. And ever since then, when the Assyrians invaded Samaria and dispersed them and, and brought in their own people, the Jews looked down on Samaritans. And there was a big racial divide between those two groups of people. The Jews would go out of their way to avoid Samaritans. I, my wheels immediately got spinning this morning as Art Eshelman was talking. He was talking about Charles Swindoll's time in Okinawa, Japan. And he said that when Charles Swindoll was in Okinawa, Japan, that Charles did not want some of the other Marines to know 
that he was walking down Main Street where a lot of um, not so good activity took place. So he would go out of his way to avoid that section of town. And I understand that. And if the Lord led Charles Swindoll to make sure that his reputation as a Christian was not tainted, that's a good thing. It's a very good thing to avoid some place like that so his reputation would not be tainted. But in this case, Jesus Christ was led to go to a place and he needed to go through Samaria when most people avoided Samaria. In order, in order to share the gospel. I don't know where you might avoid. Uh, sometimes I, I will avoid the Vestal Parkway on purpose. Especially when Binghamton University students are running all around all over the place. And so I'll try to avoid, avoid the, best, the Vestal Parkway. Especially around this time of year. There's college students and people Christmas shopping. And I'll avoid that. But the Lord has led a man by the name of Dave Boehner to go through Broom Binghamton University to share the gospel. It's very different. I avoid it because I don't want the traffic. He goes into it because he finds a place where he can share the gospel. And the people that he's going to interact with are different than the people that would be here on Sunday morning. And that's okay. Um, I'm probably in my life, I would want to avoid going to a place like Bangladesh. I don't want to eat the food. I don't want to, um, I don't want to experience that culture. I don't like the heat. I don't like the bugs, the critters. Um, and so I, I'm going to avoid that place for a lot of reasons, unless God called me there. Like he has some of our missionaries. And we need to go through those places. And what a person looks like, what they sound like, shouldn't be the reason of why we avoid them. We should avoid places where we're going to be tempted to sin, where our character is going to be destroyed. But if it's to get the gospel out and the Lord lays that on your heart, you need to overcome those barriers. Another one, which was prevalent at the time, is that she was a woman and he was a man. And I, as you read in John chapter 4, she, she notices this. It says, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? And um, today is a lot different than what Jesus was experiencing. Um, in Jesus' time, it was not like today where just in America, men and women talk freely to each other all the time. There, there was a gender barrier that he had to overcome in order to talk to her. And there also, he was a sinner. She was a sinner. And he was the perfect God of the universe. And he stepped down out of heaven to come to seek and to save those who were lost. And so I see three barriers that he overcame to go out of his way to talk to this woman. And we need to look past all barriers, which you might say, I don't want to talk to that person. He smells bad. I don't want to talk to that person. They're young people, and young people scare me. Um, I don't want to talk to that person. Uh, they come from a different side of town than I do. I don't want to talk to that person. 
And you can come up with all sorts of reasons. We should be going out of our way to sharing the gospel. And as they are talking, it's kind of interesting because uh, she says, the Jews don't have any dealings with Samaritans. Why is it you're talking to me? And and so she raises this question, and Jesus says, "Um, hey, let's not worry about that. My focus here is eternity. And in this passage of Scripture, Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's talking, who says to you, give me a drink, and you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus so often in the Gospels takes heavenly, uh, takes earthly situations, earthly circumstances, and turns them into a heavenly topic. Christmas time is coming. And probably like you, like me, you're going out and you're buying gifts and you're getting gifts for kids. And, and um, it's kind of interesting. Uh, cell phones are, have really changed our lives. I'm teaching in school today or this week. And as I'm teaching, all of a sudden this notification comes up on my. So I'm working over here on geometry and all of a sudden this notification pops up on my screen. You just bought three things on Amazon. <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> so I said I could send my wife a message right there while I was teaching. What did you just get on Amazon? And she, she said back to me all these. Gi- and so you're trying to get these gifts. And think back to the gifts that that you were given. I, I always I always think back to the gifts that I was given as a child, whether it be a baseball cards or my bike or some you know some gift that I got when I was a child. Those were sweet times, and we we enjoy getting gifts and we enjoy giving gifts. We I've enjoyed the, as some of the gifts have come in the mail. You know, going out there and hiding them from my kids and taking them upstairs. And and I'm excited. But Jesus would have taken a conversation like that and he would have turned it into something that's talked about about heaven. And we need to make sure that we take an opportunity. Maybe you got a gift for your grandchild and you're excited about this gift because you know that your grandkid's going to love it when they open it. And grandpas, you'll be very good at this. Take that gift and hand it to them, but don't let go. Okay? And they'll kind of look at you and you'll get you'll have their attention. Then do what Jesus did. Turn the, turn the conversation heavenly. And before that kid opens that gift, say, you know, God's given you a gift. And I'd like you to think about verses in the Bible that talk about the gift of God. A couple should come to mind. And I got three that I'm going to put up on the board. And what we're going to do now is we're going to, we're going to take and we're going to practice. Because Christmas is coming and you're going to give gifts. And we're going to turn something earthly, giving your kid, your grandchild, or your child, or your niece, or your nephew, something that they are looking forward to. 
and something that they're going to enjoy, and you're excited to give it to them. And before they open it, there's three verses that you can use. And we're going to practice that right now because I think every everyone in this room, I hope, knows at least one of these verses. But I think we collectively as a church can quote all three of these verses. And we're going to try that. So three verses about the gift of God. Number one, John 3.16, God's gift to us. Let's see if we can say that verse together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Good. You guys get an A. Awesome. There's one verse. We knew that verse. And you could say, God gave us a gift. And you could, you could share that verse with the child that you're giving the gift to. The second one, I think we, I think we know that one too. Romans 6.23. That talks about the gift of God too, doesn't it? Let's, as a church, let's go over this because we're practicing for Christmas, right? As we give these gifts, these are something we could share with someone. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Good. Look at how important we know these verses. We've hidden them in our hearts. And they all deal with the same subject. The gift of God. In John 3.16, the gift of God is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then Ephesians 2, 8, 9. But, uh, maybe this one's not as well known, but I know this is one of my favorite verses. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Three verses that we know well. If you grew up in church, these are like the ones you always loved if it was like a Sunday school point contest or something. And it came up, oh, I know that verse. And I'll get the free points that day. I don't even have to try. So we love those verses because we learn them, we know them. And they're important because they talk about God's gift to us. Salvation, eternal life, Jesus Christ. And that's something that we can, we can uh, focus on. Again, this is Jesus Christ letting us know that we need to think heavenly instead of having our focus be on what is earthly. And so he says, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. You'll never thirst again. If you come to the well that Jesus Christ offers you and you take of his gift of God you will never thirst again. And she didn't get it because she goes, hey, give, I don't, I don't ever want to be thirsty again. I even uh, sense a little bit of sarcasm in her answer. She says, she says, give me this water because I don't want to be thirsty again. And so we take a look at, look at that idea of living water. And you can see even the background that I've got on the screen up there has this idea of that, that living water. And so I want to spend some time talking about that. 
The first thing I'd like us to like us to think about is that living water is the idea of moving water. In the Old Testament, there was a focus on washing with moving water that was alive. That same term, if we looked in the Old Testament, looked in the book of Leviticus, which we're going to do in a second. We're going to look at Leviticus, Jeremiah, and Isaiah. But there's this focus on living water. And that word living, if you take and you look at other places that it's used in the Bible, it, it's sometimes translated as beast or alive or uh, animal is sometimes the word the same word when it's talking about living water and it has to do with the idea of water that is moving and when Christ says when Jesus Christ says to this woman when he says you would have asked him and he would have given you living water that free gift, that gift of salvation, is that which makes us alive. And I've talked a lot about that in church over the, over the last few years, is how in the book of Ephesians it said, you who were once dead in your trespasses and sins, he has made alive. And this water here has to do with the cleansing power of God's, of God's gift of salvation. And the new life that he, he intends to bring. So let's look at a couple places in the Old Testament. Where we have this idea of living water. And let's look about how it can mean and talk to us about salvation. So let's go back and look at Leviticus. It's not every day you go and you spend much time in Leviticus. Leviticus can be laborious to read. And as we, as we look at Leviticus chapter 14, it talks about cleansing rituals for lepers. And all throughout Leviticus chapter 14, you have this idea of living water or running water. As a matter of fact, I don't have it on the screen, but I'd like you to look in verse 6. In verse 6, it says, As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood, and the scarlet, and the hyssop, and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. Now, I just kind of want to use this as an example. The word running at the end of the verse where it says over running water is the same word that's used at the beginning of the verse for living bird. They're exactly the same. And so when we talk, we look at this water that is moving and running and, and picture if you're a Jew in the Old Testament and, and you want to be ritualistically clean before God. You don't do that in a bathtub where the water is still. You don't come to a bowl of water and, and wash your hands in it. Something very unique at the time is that the ritualistic cleansing that the Jews went through the water had to be flowing, running, moving. And we're, we're used to that because probably the majority of you took a shower in the last 24 hours. Or you got up and you washed your hands with water that came out of the sink and was running. And Let's look at this. That's not the case. And there are a lot of benefits from the water that's moving 
And in Leviticus chapter 14 and 52, God asked the children of Israel to do something very unique at the time. And that's to wash under running water. And in, in Leviticus chapter 14 and verse 52, it says, And he shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and the running water and the living bird with the cedar wood, the hyssop, and the scarlet. And this had to do with, if you read the passage in its entirety, living water was a thing that was used to clean the house ritualistically of a leper. And leprosy in the Old Testament was a symbol of sin. And so God is saying in earthly terms, and, and through, through this he's saying, if you want to be cleansed from sin, you need to go to the fountain that provides living, running water that will make you alive, that will change your life, and will change your eternal destination. And the next, very next chapter, it's talking about the laws of cleanliness and, and what to do when someone became unclean. And in Leviticus chapter 15 and verse 13, it says, And when he has a discharge, and when he who has a discharge is cleansed of his discharge, then he shall count for himself seven days for his cleansing, wash his clothes, and bathe his body in running water, then he shall be clean. So in Leviticus chapter 15, it says, when you became unclean, you were to wash yourself with living water. And I just think about it, as we, talk, think, as we think about the approach that Jesus took, when he was talking to this Samaritan woman, who in reading it, every, everyone I've, every minister I've ever talked about, talks about the reputation and the life of this Samaritan woman. And it's interesting that Jesus, when he comes to her, he says, Ma'am, if you're unclean and you are dead in your trespasses and sins, if the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And what you need is you need the cleaning power of the living water of salvation that Jesus Christ has to offer. Let's look at what the prophets have to say. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 13. Jeremiah chapter 17. In verse 13. says, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be, shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken the Lord and the fountains of living waters. Jesus Christ promised that the Lord would be a spring of living water. Don't forsake him. Don't ignore him. In Isaiah chapter 55, we read that passage of Scripture this morning, but, but think about the first verse that, said, that we read just a moment ago. It says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. The gift that God is willing to give. If you are thirsty, if you are in need of cleansing, 
Jesus Christ has promised, come and drink without cause. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Sin that we find ourselves in costs a lot. There's a high price to be paid. But Jesus Christ came to give you free life, a gift of God. Of course, Jesus knows everything that's going on in your life. He knows every sin, every crime, everything that you've ever done that can separate you from him. And he knows this with this woman too. He says, um, ma'am, go call your husband. She says, I have no husband. She says, he says, I know. You have five husbands. And the man you are with right now, he's not your husband, but he's about to be number six. She wanted to change the topic of conversation so fast. I, I, I find that as I read in John chapter 4, I've read that and read that and read that. It's like as soon as Jesus starts talking about her personal life and the problems in it, she wanted to change the conversation. But that made an impact on this woman because she says, he knows everything that I've ever done. And she keeps say, saying that. like, there, There's this man, this prophet, and he knows everything that I've ever done. It's what God knows everything that you've ever done. He knows all about your past. He knows all about this woman's past. And you know what he came to offer her? Living water. You know what you do with the water that comes out of a shower? You clean yourself. You know what you do when your hands are filthy and you run them under the sink? You're cleaning yourself. When this man, when Jesus knew all about this woman's past and he's offering her living water, you know what he was trying to do? To clean her life. To offer her new life. A life that would be changed. A life that is eternal. A life that is alive. I put in my notes, I have different notes than they're up here on the screen. And in my notes I said, let's face it Christian. If you've been sitting in church for 30, 40 years, and a woman came in and maybe she had this kind of reputation, you might have a hard time talking to somebody with a past like this woman would. But Jesus went out of his way to talk to her. He went out of his way to share with her the gospel, a free gift that had the power to change cleanse and provide her with new life. She wanted to change the subject. Well, where do you worship? We worship up here in this mountain, but you Jews say that you worship down in Jerusalem. Where's the right place to worship? She was going way back to the topic of Rehoboam and Jeroboam. You guys say you worship down there. We say we worship up here. Where, where, what's the truth? And Jesus he was so focused, so focused on, on getting people back to the truth. He said, the salvation is, let's face it, salvation is of 
the Jews. The hour is coming when Jesus Christ would die on a cross. He gets back to the need. Her need was to be made clean. And I just want to keep coming back to that, that need for you today. Your life needs to be clean. If you need the gift of God, eternal life, real life, different life, you need to come to Jesus Christ who provides living water, the power to, clean, to cleanse your life, to make your life new. And Jesus says to her, it doesn't matter where you worship. It matters how you worship. Talk to a man on Friday night. He was telling me about how his little tiny group of believers meets in a basement. That's okay if the gospel message is, is right. And if the name of Jesus Christ is, is going out. And true salvation is being preached. In Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. You read about churches that, that meet in caves. In other parts of the world. That's fine as long as the true message of hope, of salvation it comes that there's a free gift of God provided by Jesus Christ. That's fine. As long as those who worship, worship in spirit and in truth. I, I, spent, I preached to 50 people in a bus garage. That's where their church was. In, in a little bus garage. That's perfectly fine. Uh, I know my aunt and uncle go to church in a furniture store. The, the, the the pews were really, really comfortable. <laughs> That's fine as long as you worship in spirit and truth. And she says, the Messiah, the, the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And you happen to know everything about him. Jesus knows your sins, your thoughts. What's what are, you, what are you hiding in here? What's keeping you from a relationship with God? What's making you, like it said in Leviticus, unclean before God? You stand unclean. The wages of sin is death, and you're guilty of that. What's keeping you from God? Jesus Christ has the power to wash your heart, to make you clean. And it's, free, it's his free gift that he's offering to you. Maybe you walk into church and, and you feel like you've got this disease because here's all these Christians and you know that on the inside you're hurting and you're scarred and the sins of life are, are holding you down. Come to the Father. He's offering you the free gift. Come and He'll make you clean. Jesus gives this testimony. You're going to see this picture a lot. It's a courtroom scene and I just find this over and over and over again. In the book of John, Jesus' testimony, I who speak to you am. Well, open your Bibles to John 4 again. 
If you're if you're not there, we got to look at this. We got to look at this because this is so exciting. John chapter four. Could you do could you do me something this morning? Could you take and look at John chapter four in verse twenty six? And could you read it with me? I know we've got some people that probably have a King James or a New King James or some other translation. But especially if you have the New King James. Could you read that verse with me? It says, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. That's not what I have written. Oh, I must have made a type. No, I didn't. How many of you guys in your Bible, that word he there, it's like italicized. You know why it's italicized? It's not there. Like, like you can go right to your Greek New Testament. Go back to the original language. It just says, I who speak to you am. That's weird. And maybe it's kind of, it's kind of like, well, that's strange. And that's what, that's what, the writers of the King James Version thought is that if if we got up for responsive scripture reading and we said, I who speak to you am, there we go. It doesn't sound right. But Jesus was saying that on purpose. Because he was ex- associating himself with the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. The God who said to Moses, I am who I am. Tell him that's who I am. We're looking at, in Theology Matters on Wednesday night, we're talking about that name, Jehovah, Yahweh. That, that yod Hey va Hey. Those are the letters. It has to do with the existence of God. Jesus is just saying, I am. When you're a sinner, God's still God. When you're a child of God, he's still God. He knows all your problems. He knows every failure. He knows every need you ever have. And he's always there. He knows the end from the beginning. He's going to do his good pleasure. and He's going to try to speak to you. Maybe even today. The word he is not in the original manuscript. But Jesus is saying to her, I am the Messiah. And ma'am, what I'm here to tell you is that I've come to cleanse your sins forever. I've come to wash away the sin which sets you back and keeps you from a relationship with God. He piqued her interest when he said, I have the gift of God and I'm ready to give that to you. And if you would ask me, I'd give you and I'd, I'd open up and I'd give you living water. Then he began to, to describe exactly who she was, who, who he was. Because he wanted her to understand, beyond a shadow of a doubt, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him 
shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray this morning. Lord God, I thank you for your son who knew exactly the need of this woman. That you left your throne to come down to earth to talk to her, to break down all those barriers, to find a woman who needed a Savior, who desperately needed a Savior, who the wages of sin had left death dead. But Lord, that if she could come to him, could find him to be faithful, to forgive her of her sins, to wash her from all unrighteousness. And Lord, I pray that if there's one person here today who's hanging on to the sin, and the sin of this life is just really holding them back from relationship with you, help them to understand that you know exactly about their problems You are mighty to save. You are mighty to heal. Help them to surrender your heart, their heart to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.